Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rites, and I'm not writing this in the hope that you would do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. From time to time, I hear people trying to set out qualifications for what are the hallmarks of an apostle. And so Paul starts this um, chapter with several of the hallmarks of an apostle. He says, am I not an apostle? And then he says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And so this idea of having seen Jesus is one of the uh, standards for apostolic ministry that is often pointed to, and by and large because Paul attributed the fact that he had seen Jesus as a some type of confirmation or some type of indicator that he was indeed an apostle. And he goes on to say, are you not the work result of my work in the Lord? And so this uh, church um, that he's writing to, the Corinthian church that he's writing to, was a result of his apostolic ministry in planting a church. So many times people will point to an apostle and say, has this person or that person planted a church? This being another hallmark of a true apostle. Paul continuing, verse 2, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so this Corinthian church that he's writing to and we're reading about today this was um, uh, the seal, the the defining seal that was proof of Paul's apostolic calling. And by the way, an apostle is one who is sent out. Paul was sent out from Antioch to go into other places and preach the gospel. And so he went into this region and preached the gospel and established the Corinthian church. And this um, establishing of this church, the church planning, was part of the seal of his apostleship, according to Paul. Paul goes on to talk about his rights in the Lord. In verse 5, he says, Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Now, Cephas is Peter. So he says, The other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Peter take their believing wives along with them when they travel in ministry. And Paul is making the case that he and Barnabas have the same right. But I want you to pause for a second. Because there are some church traditions that hold that pastors or priests or apostles, if you use that title, shouldn't be married. But here we have Peter, who the Roman Catholics believe was the first uh, bishop of Rome or, or head of the Catholic Church. He traveled with his believing wife. And yet priests in the Roman Catholic tradition are taught that they ought not to have a wife. I know that this is something the Catholic Church is examining in our generation, and I think this verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 gives some uh, support to the idea of a priest having a believing wife. And so the believing wife is significant, not an unbeliever, but a believing wife traveling with um, uh, these people in apostolic ministry. Paul goes on to talk about financial support for ministers. Uh, He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? And then he gives several um, analogies about um, people planting vineyards and eating the grapes and people having flocks and drinking the milk and so forth. In verse 11, he says, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? And then Paul goes on to say that he didn't use that right among the Corinthians, even though it was his right as a minister of the gospel. 
And so what's he saying? He's telling us that those who preach the gospel, those who serve in full-time ministry, have the right, biblically, to receive support from those that are receiving the ministry of the gospel. Paul uh, waived his rights with this church. He chose to work, and um, as we we use the expression in our day, uh, he was a tent maker. We call it tent making when someone has a secular job and works in um, in ministry without charging any any money to the ministry or taking a salary in ministry. Paul did that at this phase of his ministry. Later, when he was incarcerated in Rome, he had no option but to take the support of God's people. But when he was able, he worked and he supported himself without uh, drawing any financial support from these young churches and these new believers. I think that was an excellent strategy. I know many fine people, including um, my assistant pastor, Timothy Yushik So, uh, who is bivocational, and he draws his financial um, livelihood from his secular employment and works in the ministry almost as much as I do without any kind of financial compensation. I myself draw all of my Um, financial support through the ministry. And so both things are fine in the eyes of God. But Paul was saying that biblically, it's right for ministers to be able to receive support from those who have uh, received um, the gospel under their ministry. Paul goes on to say that he became all things to all men. Does this mean that he was an actor? No. It means that Paul was uh, one who was trying to bridge cultural gaps. Verse 19 Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. So as to win those not having the law. So Paul was not saying that he was schizophrenic or he was being sneaky or duplicitous. Paul was saying that he was using cultural bridges to reach those he was trying to minister to. When he was with them, he tried to behave in a way that was acceptable to them. He says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So this idea of cultural bridge building is common in Paul's preaching and teaching and what's recorded of him in Acts as well. He was wise in reaching out to all men. He didn't have an exclusive group that he was limited to. He had a very broad um, acceptability among many, many divergent groups, uh, nationalities, and religions. Paul says we should run our race for Jesus. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Lord, I pray that we would run this race of salvation. We would run this race of discipleship. We would run this race of following Jesus in such a way, Lord, as that we'll get the prize at the end of days. Lord, we know that salvation is a free gift. But once we're saved, Lord, there's so much more. I pray, Lord, that we would compete with ourselves to become the most disciplined Christians we can be.
that we would compete with ourselves to become the most fruitful we can be. And Lord, at the end of days, I pray that we would indeed receive that crown that will last forever. Help us, Lord, to run our race for Jesus. Help us to live our lives in a way that makes sense in the light of eternity. And like Paul, God, teach us to reach out to those that are not just in our little narrow circle of friends and uh, contemporaries, but Lord, teach us to cross cultural bridges wherever needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.